1: The content of this episode of the Daily Music Business Podcast comes from a video on the YouTube channel of Outerloop Group. Go to outerloop.group backslash YouTube to subscribe. For Outerloop Coaching's free 7 Steps to Getting Signed PDF, please visit outerloopcoaching.com today. Let's dive in.
2: You know, and, and I love this bigger picture conversation, which I should have expected I would get out of someone like Ash. Um, but the other flip side of it all to me, his genius is the guy's developed artists time and time and time again. And part of what we do here at Outer Loop Coaching is develop artists, right? We give them the tools. So he's talking about building a tool that will help all artists, you know, not to, more so, not the top two, three, 4%. It's gonna help everybody down. I'm curious in the model that either he's envisioning or in the current state of affairs. What's that nugget of advice to you know the artists that have no audience that that was you know going through our workbooks that say, hey, if you you know grow your social media, you know, we talk about with our bands being a brand, right? So what is it that for those bands in their infancy, is it stay the course? Is it do something different? What's getting Ash Ableton's attention for something that isn't a signed artist? Um, okay, so w- one, one of the sh- uh,
0: shows we're doing for uh, the relaunch of Hit Parader as the, the digital media entertainment vortex, kind of similar to what Complex has done for urban and sneaker culture, we hope Hit Parader will do for rock and roll and alternative. Um, we're doing a show called uh, No Cover, which is essentially a, you know a competition show for unsigned artists. And the hook is you can't play a cover song. You have to play originals. So it's a panel of celebrity judges and all these prizes and all this stuff, and it's televised, and the way we're letting bands sign up is through three ways. And the three ways we're doing it, I wanted it to be very authentic and real to how the music business really works, right? So here are the three lanes. First lane is online voting. You have so many fans and the IP addresses check out that, wow, look at the demand for this band and that's going to get you on the powers that be radar funny story uh this show was also inspired by um jimmy Iovine and matt pinfield's farm club it was on the usa network 99 2000 where kitty and chimera and uh a number of different bands broke off of and back then i remember because i was i was in an unsigned band in my first year in college they didn't have an ip tracker i think the band was sev from dc maryland virginia remember them and they just voted themselves on repeatedly uh, uh on the site. Because there's no IP. Oh,
2: the good old days! (laughs) The good old days.
0: But that was a great show. It was ahead of its time. It was brilliant. Um, So, that's one lane. You have so many fans online. You went. You know. You get high level voting. Everyone's like, "Oh, we got to pay attention to this band." The second lane is you're cool. The tastemakers are like, "Hey, we think this band should get on." And that's when agents, managers, labels, publicists, journalists. Playlist programmers, uh local radio stations, any type of gatekeeper or tastemaker says, Hey, you should check out this band. That's lane two. And then lane three, which is the real harsh reality, that is probably the best advice I can give uh for unsigned bands that are trying to figure out, which is like work multiple jobs. I worked my ass off doing different jobs to get money to invest into my own band until we were on people's radar. The third lane is they have Money, and that's the harsh reality. They have money to promote themselves to get onto a platform. I think it's um, probably the best example recently is uh, I want to say, and I don't, I've never worked with the band, but I believe I Prevail used their own money to do Facebook and social media boosted posts to boost up their Taylor Swift cover to then get on everyone's radar. So it's kind of genius. It's like they invested in themselves and they did a cover song. And they didn't turn out to be an alien ant farm scenario, so kudos to them and their team because they have a great career now and their original uh, compositions have transcended any of the covers that may have helped launch them. But they took it upon themselves to get their name out there. So to an unsigned band who maybe doesn't have all the online votes going or a big number, they don't have big streams, um, and they don't have relationships or momentum with tastemakers, well then – Work around the clock, man. You deliver Uber Eats. You come up with all the money you can so you can shoot a music video. And then with that music video, you can turn the meter on. When I say turn the meter on, you're investing in getting eyeballs on it, just like if you were on a record label. Because the best way for an artist to find out if their art's working, put money behind it and see if it moves the needle. If you're putting a bunch of money behind something and the needle ain't moving, guess what? It ain't working. Try
2: again. Write a new that, song, do a new video, to go around the world to get back to touring. Right, lane three, and I don't want to expose. You know, this what I love. Uh, it sounds like a great idea, but can you recall any one band that's bought onto a tour so they've used their money to put that behind it that that's broken out? As a guy that used to put package tours together, oh yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, we, listen, I don't, I don't want to. Uh to reveal anyone's um, history that that artist isn't um, uh, or those artists aren't willing to let people they don't want that to be known I'll leave I won't speak for the artist but Mike and I can both tell you firsthand several artists who had either themselves or their record labels or their investors buy them on two tours even when they've met some tickets on their own but nature of the beast headliner their manager's like ah, oh, we want our, our bus paid for or we want you know, 20 grand to go towards marketing or whatever it is. And I've firsthand done that for uh, multiple different Sumerian acts. And those acts made the investment worth it. And that's a great analogy because if you get bought on tour tour for 20 grand and you just played 30 sold out shows and nothing has changed, you got to look in the mirror, like figuratively, not literally. You have to look, okay, we just got this big platform. None of our numbers have gone up. Did it mean anything? And yes, it, again, it's, it's, again, it's the reality. It's like money moves the needle
1: if so your art's good. Like, all right, so two questions. One, uh, let me start with the, the, the I guess, the, the one that you're touching on first. Like one of the things I hear about all the time is like a band saying, okay, we've saved up some money. We, we've, uh, there's a, a booking agent who says that they'll put us on a tour if we buy on. How much should we spend? And how do we know whether it's gonna be a good opportunity or a bad opportunity? What would you tell an artist who hasn't done that before as to how they decide how much to spend and how to decide what kind of a tour to, to, to buy onto?
0: Well, for the one low price of $499 per hour, I will get out my crystal ball and I will tell the unsigned band, uh, get out your parents' checkbook and let's look into it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there's, there's no way. Exclusively brokered by Outer Loop Coaching. Thank Correct. You, yeah, Jim, speak that. with my agency, please. Um, look, no one's got a crystal ball, right? Nobody bats a thousand. But people with good batting averages, obviously, they, they, they know what they're doing to a certain degree. Um, I like to think Mike and I both have pretty good batting averages. You, you I, I don't know, I don't think there's a, uh, specific, mathematical equation that you can plug and play and say how much money is this tour worth um, the biggest thing is how how much are you willing to sacrifice to get some answers about your art um, so if you think hey we sound like band a and band is going on tour and they'll take a check um, you know go play their shows and see if anything happens if you can afford what they're asking the flip side of that though is on the artist side I'm wildly against buy-ons unless the band does mean something. you know. In the cases of that Mike and I have dealt with um, buy-ons to tours, even when we're helping an artist get this tour with a buy-on, it's usually an artist that actually does mean something, but there's 10 artists that mean something that want that one spot. So you know, the money can be the, the differential in who gets chosen. I'm very, very opposed to a band who has zero going on. Um, who is just painfully aware when you see their logo on the tour poster, going, "How on earth are they there?" And you know, it's usually because of a buy on that. To me, I always think is 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 kind of tragic in the sense that the artist should have put someone who has already built up a base get the opening spot instead of having be what literally we call a throwaway or tossaway slot. Um, I don't think such thing even exists unless. You know, you're a band that draws thousands of people, and you're doing an underplay and playing, you know, four or five hundred cap rooms, and everything's going to sell out in a day or two. So it doesn't matter who's opening. But anytime you're actually going into shows that aren't going to sell out in the first forty eight hours, and it's going to be you know weeks and weeks of of moving ticket sales, th- throwing someone on there for some money, you know, I don't know, I don't think it's the,
2: the best strategy. A couple things that come up for me. Um, you know the 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 thing is ash and i both know there's no you know formula just as he talks about you know the anomaly of Billie eilish being homeschooled and recording her single in her bedroom with her brother um you know when we talk about these opportunities which oftentimes do cost money you know each band uh has to have some sense of you know it might not be revealed exactly what came of that opportunity until later down the road right sometimes it isn't exactly what you're expecting you might meet somebody that it takes 3 or 4 years for that to pay off ash and i have both seen countless examples of that and i think that the most challenging part is only the artists themselves if they're the ones investing right just as ash as a label he's got to know when he is willing to double down on his investment or whether or not he's going to pull back. No, one to, hold him, no one to fold him, baby. And, cool. and, and the challenge is, right, we've both been involved with things that we folded on uh, mm-hmm. that inevitably they, you know, maybe that was the thing that ignited something within the artist, but they found their way through in other places. And there's been things that we've doubled down on that sadly all the indicators were there and something else uh, didn't matter. So I think to, you know, anybody listening that's new it's really hard to know you know and that's where again ash talks about his experience he's done it enough times he sat at the, the poker table enough times but you know one of the, the real things to me you know when you go back to the show uh, that, that you're developing and you know i i don't know what the premise is it doesn't really matter you know ultimately yeah you get in through one of three doors or three lanes as you say and you know, I'm curious because I've watched Ash take artists who had something, he identified something in them. I don't necessarily know exactly what it was. And then he got in and worked with them in order to make that band into what they, you know, then launched with. And had he, you know, so is it he saw their image? Is it that he heard a song, you know, and then went in and did his tweaking. So I'm curious, Ash, you know, coming out of You know that television show or even just you know the the show aside oh sorry guys um coming out of the show aside right like what is the thing that ultimately uh sorry i keep getting i got a call which wasn't wasn't expecting to come through you know what is it that you're you're trying to to find right are you trying to find a great song are you trying to find a great front man are you trying to find
0: well not frontman man, but the whole band but that's literally i've been asked this question enough times that i'm like how do i can i streamline and just like cut right to the chase and this is going to sound so just i'm the record label guy i'm the star maker but like the fucking reality is and i and i made decisions to sign bands two of two i'll give examples of um so there's there's, there's two lanes there's a hit which is like the songwriting side and it doesn't mean that they actually have the hit but you see the potential of the songwriting um and you go wow they actually can write that's a great riff that's a great vocal hook that's a great lyric it's a great melody um you know uh there so there's there's this, this the, the cold hard songwriting which we'll put a, on the hit side the second thing and one or two they're interchangeable the second one. Is the ed factor, which is star power, which you can't, you can't really. Um, it's hard. It's hard to, t- to talk about what it is because it's literally this thing. And um, Born of Osiris, when they were called Rosecrans, and granted they were an underground progressive metalcore band in a small legion hall, so it's a, it a different kind of I- I- environment and and sound as the next band I'll, I'll reference. But I. Saw them, and in the first five seconds of them playing and seeing the energy and the magic, I, you know, looked at uh, my my employee that was with me, and I go, this is it. We're going to sign them. Noon, in the first five seconds. Halley Royale is another one. I drove out and saw them. At, they were on a tour called High School Nation, they were playing at, like, lunchtime at a high school out in, like, Fullerton. And I had already seen their video and heard their songs, which was got me to the show. Same thing with, with Born of Osiris. Um, I heard the music and go, oh, this is, this is a lot of potential. Let me go see how see that they are live. First five seconds of the first Palais song, when they turned it on, they started going. I looked at uh, Nick Walters, was Anne Hart, Samaritan, go, we got to do it. Just fucking immediately knew it. And, and that doesn't mean it's like, again, it's not all or none. There's bands that you see that and they have this incredible star power, but they don't end up having the songs. Um, and then you have bands that are incredible songwriters, but they don't have the It Factor Live and you have to develop that. Um, so it's not, it's not like you see it or you hear it out of the gates and then it just turns on and the label goes boom and the band's popular. It's still a long process and it's very rare that you find both of them uh, at, at, at first look. You know, that, you, it you factor, wanna...
1: that it factor is only live or can it be captured at all in video and streaming and all the rest of it?
0: Uh, it can, no, there's definitely music videos. I mean, again, uh, two great examples. Two of the most iconic bands of our lifetime, probably of all time, Guns N' Roses and Nirvana. They both broke on music videos on MTV. I remember exactly where I was. Both bands. The first time I saw a "Welcome to the Jungle" video, which is literally how the band broke. Label was going to shelf the record. Tom Wuttow talks about the interviews. Geffen, it wasn't selling. They had only sold a couple hundred thousand at the time, which was like you know a couple thousand now, and it was dead in the water. And Tom went right to David Geffen and said, "You have to get this." music video played on MTV. It's going to be the biggest band in the world. And Tom or Geffen pulled a favor at MTV. They played it at like two or three in the morning, um, one time and Geffen told Tom, that's all you're going to get. You're going to get one spin. Tom's like, no, it's got to be in daily rotation. And he goes, "That's it. you're going to get played one time in the middle of the night. And Tom sat with the guys when they're in a small apartment in Hollywood they played in the middle of the night, boom, fucking melted the sound boards back when like there were like circuit boards for landlines and if too many calls come in. I guess there's like some electrical response to that. And, and that's what happened. And, and it was literally that. And then um, Nirvana, same, same thing. Uh, Nirvana had put out Bleach. It wasn't, you know, it had some momentum, but it wasn't, they weren't printing, you know, success. And Smells Like Teen Spirit came on MTV. I remember exactly where I was. Turned on. I was on actually an inter- uh, a BBS, a bulletin board system. So it was like kind of the, the origins of the internet. And I was talking in a, in a chat room and I was like, dude, turn on MTV. There's this guy and they're in this gym and there's these weird cheerleaders and this janitor is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And boom, that was it. So to answer your question, yes, the star power can absolutely come through uh, a good music video. And it, honestly, it doesn't even have to be um, – You know, the Welcome to the Jungle and the uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit videos are very world-building. Like, you really feel like in those videos that you're stepping into the world of this band. So I would say that live, you can just kind of see it and feel it. In a music video, my advice to artists would be like, hey, they might not get me and Mike at a show, but maybe they can get in our inbox. Bring this into your world, and that doesn't always require a bunch of money in the music video. Yes, you could just be in a warehouse or in front of a green screen and go, we're rocking out. seen it a million times. What is your world, right? Like the music video that you're trying to introduce, that should be your theme park. You know? You go to Disneyland. You go into the Star Wars place. You're in Star Wars, and, like, you could be a two-year-old or an 80-year-old. You're like, wow, look at this. So utilize whatever your world is uh, as a band and build that visually because that can be the difference between someone going, oh my God, I got to keep watching this and oh yeah, song's okay. They're rocking out in a warehouse. Oh, you know, he twirled
2: his hair. That's cool. Um, Yeah, and I I think I would, you know, I mean, that's fantastic advice. And I would say, you know, it's really challenging, you know, again, going back to a car metaphor and you're just a band trying to figure out you know, where you exist in your world, let alone what your world looks like. And, you know, I think that's why people like Ash, because he can sort of see that and has seen what works and can bring that out of bands. So, you know, try to figure out the way to bring that out of yourself. And some of it just takes time. You know, look at Ice Nine Kills. I think they've been trending in the right direction. But when Spencer figured out the way to make it his world, it really popped. Yep.
1: You guys are great. Thank you very, very much for all of your time. This is some just idea bombs. People are going to be going crazy on this, so this is awesome. So, thank you very, very much, Ash. Much appreciated. Thank you for you know all the great music uh, over the years. Thank you for uh, uh, bringing it all to us. We really appreciate it, Uh, Mike. Same as well. Thank you. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Meyers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from
1: Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.